a job for free When you need a bit of love Cause your man is out of town That's the time you get me running And you know I'll be Welcome to the Tom Dupree Show for the Financial Hour. We are powered by Dupree Financial Group, and here's our host, Tom Dupree. This is from the uh, album by Steely Dan called Can't Buy a Thrill. This album came out in 1972, and when it came out, nobody had ever heard anything like this. It didn't fall into the same category of what we would have called rock and roll or even popular music. There just wasn't, it didn't register with me for eight years. I didn't buy my first Steely Dan album until about 1980. Uh, I think it was that one with the girl dancing on the front of it. It's got Hey 19 on it. Uh, Is that on there? Hey 19. Can you pull that up? I'll have to look after yeah, look we pod this one down. All right, so that, so what happened was it was just a new sound, and um, the what what are what are new sounds? Well, they are they're untraditional, but they have elements of tradition in them. Now, that, what does that mean? Well, okay, there's jazz in there. There's some degree blues. But it's a different sound. That's what makes... Well, that's what makes America truly American. <laughs> it's the homogen... It's the non-homogeneity... Non-homogeneity... Non-homogeneity. You're getting too fancy. It's not all one culture. It's not like if you go to China, everybody looks Chinese. You go to Africa, everybody looks African. You go to India, everybody looks Indian. You go to Japan, everybody looks Japanese. In the United States of America, we have a multiracial, multicultural uh, thing going on that has come together to form something that's distinctly American and distinctly beautiful. Do you have that one pulled up? I'm working on it. Okay. I'm going to be talking about an article uh, that was published in the Wall Street Journal February 7th. It's called Why Americans Are So Down on a Strong Economy. And this is going to be a thing that 
I'm going to try to counterbalance because the Wall Street Journal has become a different thing than what it used to be. And it is no longer... It used to be a fairly reliable source of information about markets, sort of unemotional. It talked about companies, markets, things of that nature. Now it's owned by the, the Murdoch group. So it's got to have a little bit of National Enquirer thrown in there now. You know, oh, God, this is happening. It's bad. And if you read the Wall Street Journal today, it's, it's some ways like reading um, USA Today. Why are Americans so down on a strong economy? Clayton Wiles, a truck driver in North Carolina, earns about 20% more than three years ago. Christine Funk, a nurse in Ohio, has won steady pay raises, built retirement savings, and owns her home. Alfredo Arguello, who opened a restaurant outside Nashville when the pandemic hit, now owns a second one and employs close to 50 people. But ask any of them about the state of the American economy and the same gloominess surfaces. Unstable is how Arguello describes it. Said Funk, even though I'm okay right now, there's a sense that it could all go away in a second. Well, let me say this <laughs> initially. You know, I've spent 45 years in the investment business, <laughs> and I have always felt that way. Anybody who owns their own business knows it could all go away in a second. Um, and the thing that really makes the difference is not so much um, how you can uh, – uh, all right, she finally pulled up this song, Hey 19. Let's take a break here for a second and listen to this song. Because this is what kind of drew me into Steely Dan. Sorry for the delay. First time. This is a 1980 album. So eight years after um, their initial effort. I think the name of this album is Gaucho. It is. Yeah. So you can see how their sound has progressed by that time. And they're still around. Um, um, not Donald Fagan, the other guy, Walter. Uh, he passed away, uh, Becker. and uh, But Donald Fagan is still with us and is out there touring with whatever, you know, they've had um, Skunk Baxter as a guitarist before he's got to be in his mid seventies, maybe late seventies. Um, he used to be in the Doobie brothers. He's also now very well versed in the <laughs> rocket technology and, and the, the things he, he understands the United States security systems very well. Okay. 
Back to this article. Uh, there's a striking disconnect between the widely shared pessimism among Americans and measures that show that the economy is actually robust. Consumers are spending briskly, behavior that suggests optimism, not retrenchment. Inflation has tempered. Unemployment has been below 4% for 24 straight months, the longest stretch since the 1960s. This disconnect has puzzled economists, investors, and business owners. But press Americans harder, and the immediate economy emerges as only one factor in the gloomy outlook. Americans feel sour about the economy, many say because their long-term financial security feels fragile and vulnerable to wide-ranging social and political threats. My God, that it describes my life. For the last 45 years. <laughs> Reliable steps up the economic ladder, such as a college degree, no longer look like a good investment. Okay. In 1978, I graduated with an English degree from the University of the South. That didn't teach me how to sell municipal bonds. It did teach me how in some ways, to express myself, to read and to write. So I feel like that my college degree, despite the fact that it had no immediate bearing upon my employment, was a fantastic investment. And I am still, at age 67, pulling quality of life from my English degree which concluded right in my early 20s. You know, I, this idea that you get trained to do something, it doesn't always work. Back to the article. This article being, Why Americans Are So Down on a Strong Economy, Wall Street Journal, February 7th, by a group of writers, Aaron Zittner, Amara Omakowe, Rachel Wolf and Rachel Louise Ensign, as in an ensign on a ship. Uninspiring leaders at home, running a government widely seen as dysfunctional, have left people without hope that America is up to the challenge of fixing its problems. Okay. One of the first things I remember when... Uh, I had just gotten in the business was the Iran hostage crisis with Jim Acotta at the helm. And you talk about America looking incompetent. That was really unbelievable. And, you know, what a sad presidency that was, which set the stage for eight years of Ronald Reagan, which was probably the best presidency of my uh, young life. The broad reasons for America's dim outlook suggest that even further improvement in the economy might not be enough to tilt the nation's mood. In an election year that's shaping up as one of President Biden's biggest impediments, that is shaping up as one of the President Biden's biggest impediments to winning a second term. He has li received little credit so far for an economy that has foiled predictions of a recession and instead grew 3.1% in 
in the past year, far ahead of 2022. Oh, I must say something kind about the Democrats right now. Some of the best years I've ever had in the investment business have been when a Democrat was in the White House. Some of the toughest years I've had were when a Republican was in the White House. There is very little correlation, in my opinion, for success in investment markets and who the um, who the president is. But I will say that there is an element that goes beyond investment success, and it, it goes to vision and belief. And one of the things that I've noticed over the last, well, 40 years is that the Democrats tend to have a very dour and apologetic view of America and what it does in the world. And the Republicans, the, the best Republican leaders, tend to have a more rosy picture. There are numbers of Republicans in Washington and other places that think exactly like Democrats. So, uh, and, you know, I don't, I hate to tag it to one political party. I think it's a mental sickness that happens to developed economies. And when we go for a long period of time without really feeling grateful for who we are we we take things for granted and then what happens is we begin to think everything's bad all right i want to give you a counterpoint to um to what this article is talking about in the wall street journal that that people are having a tough time and i'm going to get back to that article but this is by uh Ben Carlson, who is a CFA, Chartered Financial Analyst, he posted this on February 4th. Coming out of the great financial crisis, there was the uh, running narrative that the United States economy was the uh, cleanest, dirty shirt in the laundry hamper. Well, our economic recovery was... I can't read this. Tepid, but the rest of the world was a mess. The European Union was falling apart. Emerging markets were in disarray. Cities, I can't really read this. What it says, though, is that the American economy has a market cap, in terms of stocks, of about a $70 trillion dollars. Japan is the closest one to America at $11 trillion. Market cap, the value of all its companies. And China, great and mighty China, only has a $4 trillion market cap. In fact, the company NVIDIA now has a bigger market cap than the entire Chinese economy. I don't know if that's right. That's what they told me. Let me look. Maybe NVIDIA plus Apple. I think it's NVIDIA plus Apple. That's what it is. So we look at things 
with a glass half full because sometimes we think that's the bright thing to do. That's the smart thing to do. Let's look at the negatives because after all, we're a racist society. We're uh, a sexist society. We have all these things wrong with us. We need to sing two national anthems at the Super Bowl because we've got to make sure that we that everybody gets covered. And at some point, if you really want to do it, we ought to sing six or seven of them. Consumer sentiment, as measured by the University of Michigan, Michigan recently posted the biggest two-month increase since 1991, yet it remains... 20% lower dur uh, than during the robust economy of early 2020, just before the pandemic started. Okay. Why do you think this happens? Well, I'll give you one reason that I believe. Everybody walks around with a smartphone, and people are on their smartphones, and they read news that Google has figured out is curated to their point of view. Google's figured me out. They know I like rock and roll and popular music, so I get the most obscure posts about the time Led Zeppelin went to Africa and, and did this. Uh, Keith Richards' opinion on every musician out there um just they know to fill me up with that kind of stuff because they know i'll click on it and read it they know that i'm a conservative they probably know that i'm not even a republican i'm just a conservative that has a, a healthy degree of suspicion about all the politicians so sometimes i get sent really hardcore conservative stuff like Jordan Peterson, Joe Rogan. So people get a news feed on their phone that matches what AI and, and Google and the people out there that do this have come to understand and people like to hear their own echo chamber. So I intentionally look at news feeds from other points of view frequently just to see what people are talking about and thinking. And it's interesting because people tend to really like their own echo chamber and both sides, both the Republicans and the Democrats, the liberals and the conservative, the pro-life, the pro-choice, the, anti-life, the anti-death people, I don't care what it is, they all are predicting an apocalypse. It just seems to be, and this is true with a lot of my Christian friends also, apocalypse, it's all coming down. It's all coming apart. Everything is going to hell. This is the way a lot of people think nowadays. But the numbers do not bear it out. And I think, I've actually seen this before. 
I think so much wealth and comfort and good things have been created that people say, ah, it's too much. I can't stand it. Give me some more difficulty. There's a particular turn of the human mind which tends to want to go that direction. And so, therefore, um, it's very tough for people to accept prosperity. Prosperity is a lot tougher to accept than uh, penury, than difficulty, than financial hardship. Financial hardship, you know your back's up against the wall and you know you got to do something, and so you get busy. But how are you going to deal with prosperity? How are you going to deal with leisure? How are you going to deal with success? Far more difficult. Let's talk about it a little bit in the next half hour. You've been listening. Go ahead. No, 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 no. No, you go ahead. No, 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 you go ahead. No, you go ahead. (laughs) You've been listening to the Tom Dupree Show, powered by Dupree Financial Group. If you'd like to come see us, 859-233-0400, or you can schedule an appointment directly on the homepage of our website, dupreefinancial.com. We'll be back in just a few minutes with more of the Financial Hour. Hi, this is Tom Dupree. A few months ago, we began publicly predicting lower interest rates. At the time, it seemed like a strange thing to predict, given that some of the most well-known names on Wall Street were saying the opposite. Events have proved us correct. If you disregarded our call and kept money in cash and short-term obligations like CDs and money funds, you've left quite a bit on the table. We warned against becoming complacent. When the Federal Reserve begins to cut, rates will drop quickly. We were right. To find out what we think the next move is, call Dupree Financial Group at 859-233-0400 and make an appointment with us. Also, be sure to listen to the Tom Dupree Show on News Radio 630 WLAP and your favorite podcast platform.
crash on a number four Two witnesses blowing up high Not sure whose will be done You can call me a sinner for wondering why Hey darling, sleeping on the black top Hey darling, running through the trees, honey Hey darling, leaving for the next time Less of my sense catches up with me Welcome back to the Tom Dupree Show, powered by Dupree Financial Group. This is our financial hour, and here's our host, Tom Dupree. This is a guy named Coulter Wall. He's about 28 years old. He's from a place called Swift Current. I've driven through there. So, in 2014... Darsh, Mike, and I went to Calgary uh, to go visit some companies up there. And there was another company over in Saskatchewan uh, at a place called Saskatoon. And uh, we wanted to go visit them. And the, the people in Calgary, Alberta, said, no, man, don't drive over there. You want to fly. That's... You know, it's an eight-hour drive. It's crazy. You, there's no reason to drive. There, you, it's just going out in the middle of nowhere. And we said, let's drive. So we got in the car and headed east uh, across the southern Alberta prairie to the um, border with Saskatchewan. And then in about another, oh, I don't know, 50, 60 miles, we come to Swift Current, at which time, so you're on the the Trans-Canada Highway at that point, which is number one, and then in Swift Current, you turn north to go up to Saskatoon, and you're on the four. He just mentioned a wreck out on the four, and I don't know what the little place is called rose town then you turn northeast and go over to saskatoon it was about eight hours now let me tell you something this was in june if you ever wonder what happens to all the ducks around here in the summertime go to saskatchewan go to southern alberta there are ducks wild ducks everywhere and it had rained a whole lot. And so the sides of the road, which was a two-lane road the whole way, were swampy. And those puddle ducks are right up to the road. It was amazing. Mallards, green wing, blue wing teal, um, buffleheads, uh, pintails canvas backs they're all along that road in june it's worth going to alberta fly in to calgary rent a car drive to saskatchewan and drive up to saskatoon just to see all those ducks along that road it's a wildlife bird watchers paradise and everybody that we talk to 
in Calgary said, oh, man, you don't want to do that. You can you can be over there in an hour and a half flight. Otherwise, you're going to be driving eight hours. It was one of the most spectacular drives I've ever taken. Now, have you ever seen a super wealthy person, especially a person that maybe inherited a lot of their wealth, self-destruct because they feel like they didn't earn it or something like that. They, it, it, it almost engenders a profound sense of um, low self-esteem. You know, my dad was this, and I, I couldn't do this. I couldn't. I had to live on inherited money, what have you. And sometimes they self-destruct. Sometimes they get into drugs, alcohol. I think, in a sense, America is like some of these second and third generation people. We've inherited so much wealth and so much good from our, our forebears, but we don't know how to handle it. Now, that takes me to what we do in the investment business. Oh, here comes the commercial. Oh, here we go. We knew you had to throw something in to pay the bills, to justify doing the radio show. But I would simply say this. Certainly, the reason you invest is to grow the purchasing power of your money over and above inflation and taxes. We attempt to do that. Do we do it every year? No. Some years we fall short. Some years we exceed it. But the idea is that over time, that's what you want to do. Wealth is a funny thing. If you don't have a vision for what you're going to do with wealth, Wealth has a vision for what it's going to do to you. Because a lot of the things I talked about in the first hour, uh, spiritual seeking, when one begins to rely purely upon one's wealth and feels like, well, you know, I don't have that much other stuff I got to do. I can take it easy and cruise. You're in trouble. There's a big thing you hear people say, uh, oh, if I just had this much money, then I'd be good. No, you would not be. You would now have different problems. For wealth to be a blessing, you have, in, in a strange way, you have to be unattached to it. You have to be able to employ and use wealth in a good way. And good way is... In, in some senses, it's, it's how you're going to, what your pilgrimage, your path is going to lead you to. There are lots of nonprofits, churches, organizations, relatives, Friends who are going to say, I have a good use for your wealth. They will attempt to help you make that decision as to what to do with your wealth.
Some of these people can be very, very persistent and use all sorts of methods to gain your confidence and to get you to part with some of your wealth. And the other side of the coin is at some point you're going to part with it anyway. But I'm always reminded of the play King Lear, which I had to read. And, and it's funny how as I get older, some of my studies in English literature, I'm beginning to see how they help us in the investment business. King Lear in Shakespeare, wealthy king. He decides long before his death to dis divide his kingdom prematurely between his three daughters, all of whom were very devious, plotting, manipulative. Once they got control of his kingdom, they basically booted him out. And he finds himself ultimately homeless. And this was family that did this to him. The story is, take care of yourself first. If you are not taken care of, you can't take care of anyone else. This is why we invest retirement money. <laughs> retirement money, people have what are called IRAs. What does the I stand for? Individual. Each person has an individual retirement account. Now, of course, at your death, you can and should uh, name the closest people to you uh, as the beneficiary of your IRA at your death. I have named my dog. Oh, sorry, honey. Secrets out. Tom really loves his dogs a lot. No, actually, for you to do that, the spouse has to sign off on it. So I can't... <laughs> Sign off that you're actually yeah, finally insane. Yeah, I can't change my beneficiary without her. She's got to say it's okay. So no, you're the you're off the reservation. Yeah, you're, Come you're on list, back. You're Come listed on back. as my beneficiary. The point. The point is, it's an individual retirement account. It is now. Of course, you can share it. And, and but it's in one person's name. <sighs> Take care of yourself. If you're a spouse of a business person, make sure you know everything about what your husband or your wife is invested in. Make sure there's no LLCs or side things that you don't know about. I've seen things that, that, that really turned out bad. And as a financial advisor, picking stocks is not the only thing we do. We get involved in family dynamics. And just like with a lawyer, 
the more honest you are with your financial advisor, the better results you'll have. But if you don't know how to be honest with yourself and your family, you're not going to be able to be honest with your financial advisor. So it's important that these things, you know, be done in a way that will make you have a good outcome. Well, that's getting back. I've heard many stories about when you've met you've been with, involved. You've lived through some. I have, but uh, when you've when you've met with families and couples, and you feel like one or the other is disengaged, and you call them back in, and you say, I mean, in the it, within the meeting, and you say, you need to know as much as I've your spouse does. Because, and it gets back to our whole theme of educate, guide, and empower. If you don't know what is in the portfolio, what's in the estate, what's in the estate plan, and you're just burying your head in the sand, things will not go well. Well, they could go okay because you just trust the person and they're trustworthy. And that you don't have to worry about it, you won't. But one thing I have found is that the more... Well, the learning curve is so steep well, after they're gone. That's the one of the biggest that's issues. That's part of it. Yeah. And, and in your more traditional homes, the man would take care of it, and the the woman would trust the man. Now, I don't think it gets to trust. I think it gets to being empowered with knowledge and knowing what's going on so that when something okay, happens, do you, you know don't feel abandoned. you know everything about everything we own? I feel I'm around a lot tonight. I know you are, but... The point is, sometimes you just say, yeah, yeah, I don't want to hear about it. No, I'm, I, I know you do that sometimes. And so, therefore, that puts a lot of pressure on me. Oh, Tom, I'm so sorry. <laughs> Didn't realize I was doing that to you. <laughs> yeah, this is not, this is got not, not exactly going with... <laughs> Get it back you have on to the have, You have to have these discussions. It's important. You know, I used to think if I heard husband and wife, you know, talking business all the time, golly, don't they have anything else to talk about? But it's important. And you don't have to talk about it all the time, but you should know what's going on with your money. Now, some people are not interested in stocks, companies, investments, even business. Some people aren't even interested in money. And because I am, I find it hard to believe that other people aren't, but they aren't. Actually, some people that have lots of money are not that interested in money. It's just not the first thing they think about. That's okay. I don't know that much about, I don't know, um, what are some things I don't know anything well, I, I don't gonna... know technology. You know, you're, you're good at technology. I rely on the technology. but And I saw a, a young lady on the airplane the other day in front of me using uh, Adobe Photoshop. And I asked her, I said, are you, after the flight, I watched her for two or three hours said, are you a wedding planner? She says, no, I'm a wedding photographer. 
And she said, she probably looked like she was maybe 30. She said, I taught myself everything about Adobe Photoshop. And now I go. And that is not easy. I go all over the country taking pictures for destination weddings. And I'm not cheap. And I said, you know, I would love, I mean, I said, this is just absolutely what I would love. Is there a course? She said, not that I know of. You got to learn it. So, and that was a neat thing. She knows about that. I'm probably not going to get there to where she is. So I have, there comes a point where I've got to trust somebody who's good at what they do. But that's why you would hire her and pay her a lot of money. That's what I'm saying. Because my learning curve is going to not be worth it. You know, to take pictures at my own wedding, which I missed out on doing. The Whatever. <laughs> Don't you all miss Mike and Chad today? <laughs> the, the, the point is, you have to trust somebody. At the same time, you got to take care of yourself. You have to trust that the person that you're working with is taking care of you, that they have skin in the game, that they feel like the worst thing that could happen is for you to get messed up, that that's even worse than something happening to their financial health because their reputation means more to them. And it isn't just reputation. It's knowing that they might have done something wrong that nobody else knew about except for them. So that's your self-esteem, that this person's self-esteem is tied up in doing a good job for them. That's the kind of person to have. We're not saying we're the best or the worst, but we do care about the finished product. We care about the clients. Um, and a big part of what we do, and we've come to this conclusion, is to invest people's money in such a way that it produces dividends so that they are able to pay a good portion of their monthly expenses from the dividends on the account where they're not having to dig, it, dig into the principal and live off uh, their accumulated wealth. At the same time, we still put money into growth stocks, things that we believe can grow significantly over time and grow the value of the capital that's being managed. So that tends to be our approach, but one should be very careful about being given over to pessimism like was in that article we read, thinking that things are bad, listening to too much negativity, watching too much political stuff. I don't care if you're right or left wing, listening to too many people saying everything's going to fall apart. That's not helpful either. You got to get up and do something today that's worthwhile. Even when you're retired, We've sold retirement in a way that's not healthy. Um, And I don't think it's the best way to do life.
You've been listening Stay away to from the, drugs and alcohol. Yeah, you've been listening to the Tom Dupree Show, powered by Dupree Financial Group. If you'd like to come see us, give us a call, 859-233-0400. You can also schedule an appointment with us directly on the homepage of our website at dupreefinancial.com. We appreciate you listening to the Financial Hour. Not sure whose will be done. You can call me a sinner for a wondering why. Hey, darling, sleeping on the blacktop. Hey, darling, running through the trees, honey. Hey, darling, leaving for the next time. Lesson my set sketches up with me.